You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Your co-host, Danny. And fans, we have a full show for you today. Listen, we're going to talk about the NFL, our reaction to the NFL championship games, a little bit of the Super Bowl, our predictions, possibly. And then we'll get into a little bit about the lawsuit uh, to the NFL by Brian Flores. And then we have this little bit of NBA talk. And a special shout out to the Olympics, the Winter Olympics, that is. But first to the NFL, Danny, what a conference championship game that we had, uh, really both games, plural, uh, that we had with Cincinnati Bengals against the Kansas City Chiefs and also the L.A. Rams against the San Francisco 49ers. But first to the Cincinnati Bengals against the Kansas City Chiefs. I called this, Danny. I told you I was leaning towards the Bengals. <laughs> yep. And I just had this funny feeling that these Bengals who are young don't know too much about where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're going for it. I would have to say this, Danny. This was a very interesting game uh, because at halftime, it was 21 to 10. And I believe the Chiefs had the opportunity to score again mm-hmm. uh, before halftime, and it just didn't work out for them. The Cincinnati Bengals goes ahead and scores 11 points in the third quarter to ultimately tie it up. And then uh, they both scored three points in the fourth quarter, ultimately getting them to overtime. And ironically enough, the Chiefs had the ball first. They won the coin toss, mm-hmm. had the ball first. And what happens? Patrick Mahomes throw, uh, throws an interception, a great tip to the defender who ultimately runs it back a little bit just for a few yards. And then Joe Cool Burrow. Goes ahead and, and drives the Cincinnati Bengals down the field a little bit there, positions it for his uh, kicker, and ultimately the kicker sends, sends the team on to the Super Bowl. Man, what a game. Uh, I predicted this. It didn't look good at the beginning. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but the Bengals pulled it out. What say you, Danny? Travis Kelsey was out there bugging. Harry <laughs> Hill was out there clowning in that first half. <laughs> Man, straight man. clowning, man. <laughs> and they look, they carried over from that Buffalo game with that momentum. And I think that play at the end of the half, which was a surprising call, it was a end up being like a screen, wide receiver screen to Tyreek Hill. I was thinking they were going to throw it in the end zone to like Kelsey and try to get the touchdown. But if they had those extra three points, it may have helped in the end, and they just went flat in that second half. The Chiefs mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. The Bengals kept chipping away, chipping away. 
made it a game, and it looked very similar to that Buffalo game where the Chiefs got the ball, but they just couldn't execute. Give hats off to the Bengals defense, actually, because they made Patrick Mahomes uncomfortable in that second half. He was he was just off. So kudos to them and congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals, man. I didn't see them going to the Super Bowl. I knew they had the talent, but them being young and the Chiefs having all this experience. Yeah. So congratulations to them. And Joe Burrow threw for 250 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, sacked only one time. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the reasons why I, I chose the Cincinnati Bengals. Because I had a feeling that they were going to double team Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. But the Bengals wide receiving core is pretty deep. Oh, and yeah. I and I, I I trying to convince the Packers to go ahead and do the same thing. You need to draft another quality, high quality receiver. Mm -hmm. T. Higgins had 103 yards on six catches. So as he double teamed Jamar Chase. They went to T. Higgins. They had another option, another viable option there. And I think those are the things that really, really helped uh, the Cincinnati Bengals win this game, Danny. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this team is going to be here to stay. But just as I believe this team is going to be here to stay, I think the AFC is like a carousel of talent, of teams, and where – Year to year, it, it could be a different team going to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. This year is the Cincinnati Bengals. Next year it might be uh, Herbert and, and the L.A. Chargers. The following year it could be Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. The next year it could be back to Kansas City. Yeah, Buffalo, oh, by the way. Buffalo's right there too, man. Buffalo's right there too. So, I mean, this is going to be years and years to come in terms of which quarterback is going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I think it's going to be it's going to hinge upon injuries. It's going to hinge upon who can really galvanize their team mm -hmm. uh, to really uh, peak at the right moment in time. Yep. And now to the NFC, Danny, where the L.A. Rams went ahead and prevailed against the 49ers 20 to 17. Uh, Matt Stafford showed up. Uh, and where he was 31 for 45 for 337 yards, two touches. And, man, what a, what a game. Uh, and I had a feeling, feeling that Jimmy G uh, was going to be Jimmy G. Yep. At some point in this playoffs, he was going to be Jimmy G and throw an interception at the wrong time. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. Yep. Jimmy G threw for 232 yards, two touchdowns in that critical pick. And man, I think the LA Rams, it was 10 to seven at halftime. Yep. The LA Rams went ahead and closed it out in the fourth quarter, basically scoring 13 points. The 49ers had an opportunity to really go ahead and close this game out, but just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. The Rams went ahead and prevailed 20 to 17. What say you, Danny? 49ers had control, they had the tempo, the way they wanted it. And congratulations to the Rams, man, for pulling this one out. Yeah, Jimmy G, he had this, a similar pick, but it was earlier in the game when they played Green Bay, so they were able to prevail and uh, get past that one. But this one was crucial, and looks like he's getting shopped right now. I don't know who's going to take Jimmy G, <laughs> but uh, 
congratulations to the Rams, man. That defense hung, hung kept them in the game because the offense was kind of struggling, was struggling until that fourth quarter where they picked it up and took care of business. Here we go, man. Headed to SoFi Stadium this Sunday. Yeah, and it's interesting, Danny. I'll say this, too, about the L.A. Rams receiving core. Cooper Cup, man, had 142 yards receiving. Straight ball, and Odell Beckham Jr. had 113 yards receiving. Mm -hmm. I mean, critical. They got the ball into the hands of their playmakers, and then you also had Cam Akers rushing the ball 13 times. On the flip side, you only had Debo Samuel uh, carrying the ball seven times. Uh, Debo Samuel receiving the ball four times, had four catches for a touchdown. I just think that San Francisco kind of strayed away from their strength. And I think a lot of that had to do with the LA Rams defense. Mm-hmm. That defensive line is wicked. Yes. <laughs> is wicked, man. So this is going to be interesting to see what happens here in the Super Bowl. And I'll just say this, Danny, to carry this over to our Super Bowl talk here. Mm-hmm. This defensive line of the LA Rams is wicked. And I think the Cincinnati Bengals has something here on their hands. This game is going to be won in the battle of the trenches. If the Cincinnati Bengals O-line cannot deal with the LA Rams defensive line, this game is going to be over with. But here again, we said that too before Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow sacked nine times, got up 10, and went ahead and continued to win that game. This is going to be real interesting to see how Cincinnati actually deals with the defensive line of the LA Rams. Do they get the ball out quick? And that's the battle that I'm really interested in seeing because with Protection of Joe Burrow, you still have to deal with the LA Rams secondary, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. What hasn't been getting a lot of talk is the fact that Cincinnati Bengals secondary and its defense held Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs to only three points in the second half in overtime. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's getting talked about enough. They intercepted. Patrick Mahomes in overtime. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's getting talked about enough. And you know how Matthew Stafford can get a little bit shaky with that, Danny. My Super Bowl prediction and fans, <laughs> I would have to say this. Please don't necessarily use us for gambling. Uh, we don't want to be responsible for your L's. Uh, this is just uh, for our fun. So this is only our opinion based yes. upon our own personal analysis and our gut feel. Danny, I have to, man, this is a tough one for me because I've been riding with Cincinnati. I'm not an AFC guy, but I'm riding with Cincinnati. Yep. But I think this might be too much for a man. That D-line it's going to be a crucial time in this game where that D line is going to, is going to get them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Von Miller and Aaron Donald, man, that combination is, man, is something else. I think the LA Rams are going to win at SoFi stadium in the, on their home 
turf. It's going to be a very close game. I really kind of like Cincinnati squad, though, man. I can't lie. <laughs> I can't lie. <laughs> I've been rolling with Cincinnati, man. Yep. But I may have to go with the L.A. Rams. What say you, Danny? Jason, there are a couple of key injuries coming up. Uh, I have to check the injury report. It's C.J. Uzama, who's the tight end from Cincinnati. If he doesn't play, that is huge for Cincinnati because, for one, like you said, they're going to need to bring in, keep guys in to block because Aaron Donald and Von Miller are going to smell, you know, they got blood in the water, man, so to speak, where they know this offensive line is shaky for the Cincinnati Bengals, and you know they're going to be bringing it. So I can see – where if Uzama doesn't play because Joe Burrow also can use him as a release quick too. So if he, he blocks and get out and he can throw it to him real quick and get those quick passes because he's not going to have a lot of time. The one thing with Joe Burrow is, as you've seen these playoffs, he doesn't get rattled Mm-mm. too tough, and which is, speaks to him and his, the team around him because there's – any other team, man, you would have saw that Kansas City, the way Kansas City was beating them down that first half, they would have folded the tents. Mm-hmm. But they brought it, man. So they're playing with house money. This is the Rams game to lose. They're, it's a home game for the Rams. And the way the defense is playing, the only person I'm worried about is Stafford. But I think with them – what they have going with them being where they're at. I'm also go to LA Rams. I really want to take Cincinnati. And you know what? I should take Cincinnati just to make this interesting. Since you took the Rams, I'm going to go against the grain here. I'm going to take Cincinnati. <laughs> um, you know how this goes, man. We like, you know, see how it goes. See how it plays out. Mm-hmm. It's all for fun. Because Cincinnati's offense is better than the 49ers offense, in my opinion. It's just that offensive line. If they can do anything to slow Donald and Von Miller down, they have a, they have a shot. So I'm going to take the underdog here. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals. In my heart of hearts, I know the Rams should win the game. They have everything in their favor, but I'm going to go against the grand here and go Cincinnati. And there you have it. Danny, last week there was a lawsuit filed by Coach Head coach Brian Flores to against the NFL and three NFL teams, which includes the Miami Dolphins, Denver Broncos, and New York Giants, uh, based upon the interview and hiring practices uh, of those teams. And it is a 58 page lawsuit, class action lawsuit, uh, which was filed in uh, Manhattan. And Danny, this was just really an interesting lawsuit uh, for so long. Um, there just hasn't been a fair number of uh, black coaches uh, in the NFL. And as a result, uh, basically coach uh, Brian Flores uh, got fed up and went ahead and filed this lawsuit uh, based upon his experiences and experiences that he has some certain of uh, heard um, before in the past. And so with that, um, with this lawsuit, um, there was just a lot of questions and even commentary that has come that has come out 
And I'll just say this, Danny, as, as a result of the, well, we don't know if this is a result of the lawsuit or not, but uh, the NFL did come out with a statement. Uh, Commissioner Roger Goodell did put a statement out uh, and everything. And on today, which is Monday, um, there are reports that uh, Eric Bieniemy has had uh, an eight hour or so interview with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, there has also been rumors that uh, Lovey Smith is going to be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. The Miami Dolphins have also hired uh, 49ers offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel. And so with this lawsuit has come the, the action of at least either interviewing more black coaches um, during this hiring cycle or uh, putting um, these coaches in more so in place in as a head coach. I just find it intriguing that for the Houston Texans, they went ahead and fired one coach and they were actually looking at uh, Josh McNown, who hasn't coached. Mm-hmm. Uh, necessarily in the NFL. He was the leading candidate, allegedly, uh, for the Houston Texans head coaching job. And then all of a sudden, it switched over to Lovey Smith, who was the uh, defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. So how are you going to fire the head coach? And then within that same tree, coaching Mm -hmm. tree, you go ahead and get Lovey Smith. I mean, I don't know. That just sounds kind of shaky to me personally um but i just think that it, i don't know danny i think the nfl has a long way to go mm-hmm. uh when it comes to the interview process uh the rooney rule I, my personal belief is that the result of this lawsuit there's going to be a rooney rule 2.0 there's going to be some changes, some modifications, probably some additional incentives mm-hmm. uh, made. Uh, and there's going to be some changes, maybe some more transparency that happens, whatever the case may be. But I think there's something that's going to happen as a result of this lawsuit. Um, will coach Brian Flores coach any NFL again? I think that has been a standard question that I have had discussions on. I believe so. I believe he's going to coach again. Mm-hmm. He'll be in, in the college world. I uh, know some HBCU football teams with, or football programs would love to have him. Uh, will he coach in the NFL again? I, I don't know. I can see him coaching in the NFL again. But then again, there's a lot of politics and a lot of red tape and stuff involved there. Maybe that'd be something that he negotiates in in this um in this lawsuit um and everything but so sad that it's come down to this but um i think it's good trouble that he's getting himself into Mm -hmm. uh and i think this is going to move the needle forward just a little bit what say you danny brian flores is gonna fall on the sword as they say for the the greater good Obviously, he has in that lawsuit, he's documented some things that uh, against the teams that you mentioned earlier, they have denied to what he's he's uh, he put into the lawsuit. But 
with him, he's he's only 40 years old. And based on what he was doing in Miami, he had a good career ahead of him. Uh, he got those boys to play. He didn't have a lot of talent in Miami. We talked about this in the past. And he made the most out of what he had. So he definitely should be um, a candidate for a job. But I think with this going on, this may hinder that at this time. So curious to see how this plays out. But it, it took bravery to do what he did. Uh, because everyone's been, this has been a topic every year. You get to the hiring cycle. You get Eric Bieniemy. It's like he is every year. Eric Bieniemy is a finalist. Eric Bieniemy is a finalist. And he never gets that job for whatever reason, right? And there's been reports on why that may be the case. Uh, some things from his past, but there's there's something to be said about that, and it's not just at the coaching ranks; it's also in the executive ranks as well. That there's some opportunities here for the NFL to fix some things, where there's some owners in some hot water, where based on how some of these things shake out, there could be an opportunity there for them to right some wrongs. But until the top level is changed, the bottom level more likely stay the same. So we'll see what the NFL does in this case. Uh, we'll see how this lawsuit plays out. And I'm hoping Brian Flores gets an opportunity to coach again because he's a good coach yep. from what I've seen. From I'm not, I'm not watching every Miami Dolphins game. Hell, I'm watching the Falcons, and that's tough enough. So... Uh, <laughs> But I'm hoping everything works out for him and we'll see what comes out of this and hopefully some change as well. And now, Danny, on to the NBA where we are coming up on the trading deadline, which is going to be this Thursday. Mm -hmm. And Danny, man, what an interesting trade that happened in the NBA where the Cleveland Cavaliers are just getting better, man, by getting Karis LeVert from the Indiana Pacers in this deal. The Cleveland Cavaliers received Karis LeVert and also a 2022 second round pick, uh, while Indiana receives uh, contract rights to Ricky Rubio, uh, and then also a 2022 first round pick, which mm -hmm. is lottery protected, and then 2022 second round pick, and a 2027 second round pick. This was interesting, and let me just say, uh, get well soon to Ricky Rubio on an ACL tear. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe he is going to be a free agent after this. So this was just more so just moving a contract, quite honestly, yeah. uh, and everything. Um, so, man, Cleveland has gotten better. And how interesting is it that Karis LeVert is uh, really now paired up with Jared Allen, who they both were on the Brooklyn Nets squad. Yeah. I know Brooklyn has got to be like, man, you know, it would sure would have been good to have them. Mm -hmm. But you had them. All you had to do was wait and develop. And man, you have Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Man, that oh, Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be tough in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. They're going to be really tough. Like, I can see them going. Possibly to, I can see them definitely going to the semifinals in the conference, maybe even the conference finals. That's how good that they are. 
that's how good they are, man. Mm-hmm. And I can see that really happening. And even in the conference finals, I can see them really pushing the envelope there. And this is barring any major injuries, of course. Mm-hmm. But, man, I think the Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers are, are right there. What say you, Danny? Yeah, this one came through last night. And Indiana's obviously in shop mode. Curious to see what they do with the bonus next because he wants no parts of Indiana. <laughs> He's ready to go. But back to Karis LeVert. Uh, it's funny all these things work because as you bring up Brooklyn, and Karis LeVert and Jared Allen being key pieces to their team last year before the Harden trade. And now Harden is doing what he's doing and the Nets are in disarray right now. It's, it's, it's very strange how things work in mysterious ways <laughs> where if Brooklyn would have stayed pat, how that could have changed things. You don't know, right? You just don't know. Harden's mm-hmm. a great talent. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying you had pieces in place. You weren't in, you had cap flexibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now you don't. So for Cleveland to make this move, man, you get a scorer like Levert to come in in the playoffs. That's a great move, man. I That move. one snuck up on me. I didn't see that one coming. Move. So that was... Yeah. A nice move by Cleveland to pull him in, and they've been playing teams tough. I think they're sitting yes. in the five spot right now, if I'm not mistaken, from the standing standpoint in the East. So give them some time to gel. Um, they could be a team, man, that could be a tough out in the playoffs. Yeah, Danny, right now uh, Miami Heat has a number one seed, only a half game behind the Miami Heat are both the Chicago Bulls at the number two and our Milwaukee Bucks at number three. Uh, again, only a half game out. One game behind the number one seed is the Cleveland Cavaliers at the number four seed. Oh, okay. And then you have number five seed being the Philadelphia 76ers mm-hmm. uh, being one and a half game out. And then the sixth seed, then you start kind of dropping a little bit there. Toronto Raptors, who are four and a half games out. So really, man, one through five teams are separated by only one and a half games. Come on, man. <laughs> you kidding me? Are yep. you kidding me? Nowhere did I mention the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn Nets right now are sitting at the number seven seed, four and a half games out mm-hmm. of the first seed. So and then right right on their heels is Boston Celtics, who are now starting to kind of play a little bit here. They're only four and a half games out of the first spot. So these last few months in a regular season are going to be really, really competitive. Mm-hmm. And I have to give some credit to the Milwaukee Bucks for hanging in there without Brooke Lopez. Yes. Uh, they did sign Moose. They signed mm-hmm. them back, and I think it was on a 10-day contract, and I believe it was just a stopgap just right before Brooke Lopez returns. They're currently on this Western uh, Conference road trip uh, where they have uh, so far beaten the Portland Trailblazers and the L.A. Clippers, play the Lakers tomorrow on Tuesday, and then they end up in Phoenix on Thursday in a rematch. And that's going to be an interesting game. I believe they received, they got Greg Monroe, Moose, 
uh, to kind of help facilitate the five position uh, and everything. So interesting times. The NBA is fantastic. And Jay, real quick too, Mm -hmm. I'm curious to see if some of these other rumors come to fruition, like the whole James Harden, Ben Simmons thing that keeps getting (laughs) downplayed in the, yeah. But well, there's smoke, there's fire. So something's going on there. <laughs> and then CJ McCollum possibly getting moved to the Knicks. Whew. So you have a couple teams that look like they're in sell mode, where the Indiana mm-hmm. Pacers and then possibly the Portland Trailblazers. So I am, as every year, man, you're always waiting to see these big trades come through and see what's happening because a lot of teams, like you said, in the East, no one wants that seven to 10, those seven to 10 spots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You want to be six and above because you don't want to play in that playing tournament. So right. it's going to be a good one, man. And the Clippers made the deal for Norman Powell and Robert Covington, which was a great move for great them move. because great move. Kawhi still hasn't played and who he's knows when he's going to come back. So to pick them up and just hang around in that playoff hunt is key. So looking forward to the trade deadline, man, and what mm-hmm. comes through. I mean, to that point, I think with the Covington move, it's going to be really interesting to see what Paul George does. Mm-hmm. I know he's supposed to get reevaluated on his elbow, I think, in about the end of February. Yep. Uh, or what have you. But, man, I think if Covington plays, it's going to be a question about whether they really need Paul George. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be real. I think it's it's getting to the point where the Clippers may have to break that up. Paul George and and Kawhi, I mm-hmm. think it's getting to that point. And if you have somebody like a Covington who can develop and slash the in the hoop and has a nice a nice de- or decent J. I think you have to really start thinking about maybe getting some trading pieces, trading assets for the likes of Paul George. Yeah, I'm curious what they do, because if you remember in the playoffs last year, he went off. He went off. First year, he went off in a while. So with his elbow injury and how much they're paying. Yeah, that's I guess we'll have to see what they do, man. But if he does come back and they bring Kawhi back, Mm-hmm. they might they could be a tough out too i guess we have to wait and see what with these injuries how they how they play out for the clippers and i think one of the things we got to look into is when is the new la clippers arena going to be done by mm-hmm. i think they will want a good solid team in order to move into that arena and, and pack it out mm-hmm. Agree. Um, so yeah that that's something to look into as well but Man, going to be interesting times here. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us and remember that there's enough hate in the world, so go ahead and spread a little love.